What is the birth name of Pawnee Shock Jock, the douche? Answer at the end of the episode. The citizens of Pawnee. I'm heard happily, and I just realized I'm not holding my microphone. And I will call my new Italian fast casual eatery the Locale Calzone Zone. And you can trust me, because I don't care enough about you to lie. Everything I do is the attitude of an award winner, because I've won an award. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by Alexis. Hello and welcome to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast where I discuss anything and everything from character breakdowns to episode rewatches, as well as some other trivia and tidbits about the show. My name is Brian and I'll be your host. This is episode number 84, being recorded Sunday, August 13th, 2023. And today I'm going to be covering season two, episode 24. That's right, the season finale, Freddy Spaghetti. If you'd like to contact me, you can email citizensofpawnee at gmail.com. You can also follow and message the show on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast, as well as my other page at Parks Rec Memes. And just a reminder, this podcast will have full spoilers for the entire series. What's going on, everyone? So I got a hot take here. So as, as you guys know, I, uh, I had a root canal recently. It was very painful. It sucked. Well, like it was two, it was a two visit procedure. So like the first time I went in, they started on it and something happened where they had to stop. I, I won't get into the gross details, but uh, it's actually, it's not gross, but I, I don't need to get into it. But anyway, they had to stop and I had to come back in like a week. So the first time it was like one of the most painful things I can remember in my life. I don't remember if I talked about this or not on like a past episode, like one of the more recent ones. So I won't get into it, but either way, it fucking sucks. Root canals suck. And you know what? Teeth fucking suck. I think that when I'm running this world, when I become dictator of, you know, bryopia or whatever it's called, I am going to make it so that when adults reach (laughs) their fully grown size, their teeth, if you know what, maybe I guess it'll be optional. All teeth be surgically removed and implants. Now we're talking like the good implants, like the hardcore ones where the tooth is actually like screwed in, not like just like caps or crowns or bridges or anything like that. I'm talking top of the line, state of the art, good chompers, you know, good fake chompers because tooth pain is one of the worst fucking things in the world. Why can't we get rid of it? Why can't we just get rid of tooth pain? You know, for good, get rid of it. Like if I had the chance to have like, steel coated bones because bones are another thing. Like obviously we need them, but we can't feel them per se, unless they get hurt teeth. Our teeth do not have feelings unless that feeling is pain, (laughs) like pain. I mean, it's not like you can actually walk around saying like, man, my teeth feel good today. Like I feel like, like your teeth don't like have like a tickling sensation or anything fun. They're just there. They're only there for pain on to eat stuff, obviously, but I'm, you know what I mean? This is just like a really weird conversation, but I thought of this because obviously my root canal, but my wife came home from, um, now this is another thing I have to ask. Uh, do you say Costco or Costco talking about obviously not Sam's the other gigantic, um, you know, 
uh, industrial sized uh, food store. I don't know what the hell would you call it? Like not a big box store, but what are those stores called? Like the ones where you bulk bulk store, I guess, whatever. So I say both of them actually, because like Costco, it really makes it sound like I'm from Chicago, which I am, you know, the Chicagoland area. And we, we say things like we have a lot of like, eh, like Chicago, Chicago. I don't know if people say Chicago or Chicago, but eh. so and then the other ways like Costco, where you sound like Keanu Reeves or just like a, a surfer, like Costco, Costco versus Costco, Costco. Anyway, my wife went yesterday and she came home with one of those like to use the word industrial again, one of those industrial sized cakes from I'm going to call it Seco. That's the new thing. I'm going to call it Seco. Um and we, uh, so I had some last night after dinner. So it was like my first like dessert. And then like an hour later, I had another piece. So it was second dessert. And then this morning I had a piece for breakfast and then I had another piece for second breakfast. So the last four meals I've had have been this cake and there's still like half of it left. And also my wife and daughters had some of this cake last night too. So these cakes are awesome. They're huge and they're just, they're delicious, but you know, it's like, not huge, like in the sense of like a wedding cake or anything, but like when you see like a cheesecake, like one of those, the ones from Seco, I mean, it's just like, this thing weighs like fucking six pounds. It's like, I, I, this is dangerous. I shouldn't bring this home, but I'm fucking gonna. So um, anyway, uh, it's been a little bit. Let's, uh, let's do some Barks and Rec. So if you're new to the show for some reason, Barks and Rec is just a little section I do occasionally where I like to talk about my uh, my pity, uh, Lucy. So she's uh, she's a punk, like big time. I mean, she's just like struts her shit around the house all day. Um, she, she can be annoying at times. Obviously, she's awesome. We love her to death, but sometimes she needs to be put in her place. So you remember the episode of The Office? It's in season eight. It's the one where Dwight goes to uh, Florida to talk to Robert California because he wants a job, like a corporate job. And Robert California, they go to his apartment and he's wrestling this guy. And it's like one of the funniest fucking scenes because he's just like, he's like 10 minutes in the on the mat with whatever this dude's name is, is the equivalent of, I forgot what he says, but it's something ridiculous. And it's so funny just because he hires this guy to come over and just like spar with him. And just totally irrelevant but like the the best part of that scene is like when they're wrestling and Gabe's just like go Robert and he like collapses he's like super excited but anyway so it kind of got me thinking and I think so with Lucy when she's you know like we our backyard is not fenced in I probably mentioned this it really sucks but we have like a 50 foot like rope that Lucy just kind of like she gets to traverse the yard and everything but it still sucks because she gets tangled on things and whatnot. So she doesn't really have the opportunity. And she's one of those dogs, too, where, like, you try to play fetch with her and she's just like, fuck off. Like, she doesn't care. She might run for it once. Like, I keep trying to play fetch with her with this cool rope we got her. But she just wants to destroy the rope. So whenever I toss it to her, she'll go get it. But then she runs back to the door. Like, she wants to go inside and lay on her bed and just rip this thing apart. So... She doesn't, you know, we take her on walks all the time, but she's just, you know, like we just, the, the play group that we take her to usually 
is like 45 minutes away. So it's just not that convenient for us to get her out there as much as we'd like to. We get her out there, you know, like every couple weeks or so. But she's great around other dogs. And it, it just sucks that she's not good with humans. She's afraid of other humans. She barks her ass off all the time. She's a great guard dog. I mean, like a great watchdog. I love having her there because if like the mailman comes up to the door and it's like, I feel bad for this guy. Like you see those Amazon or those videos from like ring cams where the dog like crashes through the door. I'm legit worried about that. And my wife and I granted, you know, like we should just have the door shut all the time, but it's like our mailman comes at different times every day. Sometimes it's noon. Sometimes it's 2 PM. Sometimes it's 4 PM. So not, he doesn't come in the morning, obviously, but Lucy loves sitting in the sun and it's like, that's the best spot for her to lay like right where that sun is coming in by the front door. So it's just kind of a bummer that she's just not good with people, but she doesn't like, you know, she doesn't attack or anything. Most of the time she just stays back and growls and just scares them. Like we had our, um, my daughter, Natalie, she had one of her friends over, uh, yesterday and this girl's terrified of dogs. And it's like, you don't want to not invite people over. But at the same time, it's like, why of all people? I mean, like, and this girl's a sweetheart too. So it's like, I, I feel bad even like suggesting it's like, well, and that's not what I'm saying at all. It's just, it does suck. It's a bummer when you have a dog that just like scares people, even though we're not worried about her attacking. It's just, but anyway, so the, the whole reason I brought this up and the whole thing with like Robert California and his wrestling partner is because I... I think that it is 100% necessary that I spar with Lucy and we, and I've talked about how I'm allergic to her, but my, I feel like my allergies have definitely lessened or they've, uh, they've gotten a lot strong. I don't know how I would say that, or my immunity, I guess would has gotten a lot stronger because I'm in her face like all the time and you shouldn't do that with any dog. I know. And I'm not saying it's like, well, you know, like, but I trust her and she, she, when she does bite us, like when she's going crazy, she does. I didn't know that it was uh, called this, but my wife says it's called corn cobbing. And that's like when they give, just give you the kind of like little like nibbles, like almost like they're trying to bite you, but they know they're not supposed to, which is awesome because like a, a full bite from her would fucking hurt. But yeah, they, so it's like the, almost their way of playing, but it's also their way of saying it's like fucking back off. <laughs> so you're like, okay, all right, I got it. However, it sucks when they do this to you when you're just like eating dinner or whatever. And it's like, you son of a... But yeah, she is very strong and she's very intimidating, but I love just like wrestling with her. Like I try to pretend like I'm part of her pack. So I'll like get down on all fours and I'll roll over and it's like, I'll kind of like throw shoulders and whatnot. Don't get me wrong. I'm not abusing her. I'm not hitting her or anything, but I just, it's like, Hey, let's get her some exercise. You know, like I am 100% against like dog fighting and all that shit. So that's, I just want you to know, <laughs> I don't want this to sound like I'm like trying to toughen her up or anything, but um, yeah, she is doing well otherwise, but um Ah, let's uh let's get into some filler. Everything he's saying is nonsense and he's fooling them. Okay, so real quickly with filler, I mentioned last week I am watching Superstore again or a couple weeks ago I mentioned uh in the email from Teresa. Thanks again for that email, Teresa from Germany. Uh Superstore. Yeah, I'm not going to get super into this cuz I've talked about it before. I just want a couple things. I just started season 3. Uh, season one is a shortened season, but it's not like The Office and Parks and Rec where it was only six episodes. I think it was like 11. And then season two was a full season, so I just started season three. Now, I'm going to spoil one thing. And I apologize if you've never watched the show. I'm not going to say, hey, I don't know, maybe skip ahead like 
I'll tell you in a second when to skip ahead. But skip ahead right now, 30 seconds. So the tornado that happens at the end of season two that destroys the store, which is such a fucking awesome scene too, by the way. Like it's terrifying, but I mean, for like a comedy on network TV, they did a great job with that because it was very scary and very intense. But what I wanted to say is that they have, uh, watching season two again, there were three or four mentions of tornadoes throughout the season. I love, I, cause this one, you've got to say they had this in mind. They knew what they were going to do to end the season. And there are different mentions throughout season two of there being a tornado. So if you're jumping back in right now, um, a tornado happens at some point in the season, whatever. But, uh, so yeah, it's just kind of funny going back and being like, wow, they're definitely setting us up for this. So I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, there are also, uh, Multiple mentions of raccoons on this show, too, which I love if you go like as far as like a Parks and Rec thing. I don't know if that's a nod to Parks and Rec, but it is funny because there's a couple they don't go into it like they do in parks where it's like the raccoons have become part of the town. But in this store in Cloud Nine, the raccoons, they, they'll they'll come in from like the um the intro song or whatever, and it'll be like Glenn giving his pep talk to the staff beforehand, it'll be like a conversation already going on and it'll be like, but we do think that we have the raccoon problem under control as long as we don't go in their territory or whatever. So it's really funny. Uh, I like that. Anyway, uh, what I did want to talk about though, for filler now I'm way behind on this one. This show has already ended succession on HBO. Uh, this is another one that's gotten tons of buzz. Uh, again, it just ended. The, the the fourth season just ended. I didn't know anything about this show except, um, you know, like a little bit about the cast and that it was about a family company and that it was just really good, I guess. So I started watching that. I'm, I'm on episode five of season one. Now I'm not I, spoilers, I guess, but this show is long behind. So if you're going to jump on, I mean, you're kind of like me right now and you're just like, eh. it's like anyone who's still hasn't watched Breaking Bad, but has been told by the entire world how good it is. That's finally how I am with Succession. So my early thoughts, I like this show. I think the cast is very good and I think the acting is incredible, but these characters are all fucking shit bags. So I've another one that I, I haven't started watching this and I'll get right back to succession, but there's a show also on HBO called the righteous gemstones. That is a comedy. I've heard from multiple people that the show is amazing and hysterical. And that again, the family, the character are shitbags. However, I think in the righteous gemstones, it's more of like, these are just like spoiled rich, like maybe like absurd comedy. To, I, I don't know. I might be totally wrong, but in succession, I'm going to so jump back to that. We're, we're done with uh, the other one. Uh, succession. You've got a family, a family company. There's the two brothers who work for it. And then you've also got two other siblings uh, who aren't involved in the company. I don't believe I know one of them for sure. Isn't the sister. Her name's Shiv. And then there's the oldest brother. I forgot his name, but he's the guy that plays Cameron in uh, uh, Ferris Bueller's day off. So, Brian Cox is their dad, and I guess they run like a kind of like a multimedia, I'm guessing, conglomerate, so almost like Entertainment 720, but like successful. And 
they uh the show starts off where there is kind of some turmoil going on as the dad is about to hand the company over to his son kendall played by jeremy strong who i don't know if i like this actor or not because he was in the big short which is another it's an amazing fucking movie and i'm actually this show succession is created by uh will ferrell or will ferrell and uh adam mckay are like executive producers or something like that adam mckay also uh directed the movie the big short which is the one about the the housing crisis from like 20 2006 or, or whenever it was i i excuse my ignorance great movie though but jeremy strong yeah so he's like arguably like the lead character in this show because he was the one that was supposed to succeed his father and for whatever reason brian cox who's also spoilers he's a shit bag the whole like he he screws the son over last second and says like you know what i'm not retiring because the son was like super excited about this he's like telling all his friends and everything he's like kind of turning into hot shit and then it's like he is embarrassed because imagine just like Facebook, like we know when big things happen now, especially with like Elon Musk with Twitter, because this guy like loves himself so much and wants to be all over the media. That's how it is with this family in this show. They're, they're like the Kardashians almost like everyone knows the whole family, what they do. And it's just like, so they don't say like TMZ. There's a uh, like a tabloid thing called like TNE or something like that. So these stories are getting leaked all the time. So it's like embarrassing for the family and whatnot. And then the dad has like a, a massive stroke or a heart attack. I can't remember at the end of the first episode. So you're kind of like, what the hell's going to go? What's happening now? So then everything shifts and it's like, okay, so now this son might, cause their, their dad might die. And uh, so actually I'll stop there. Cause I don't want to spoil too much, but I am enjoying the show. I'm going to, I'm going to keep watching it, but I just, I really have to say, I am not enjoying these characters at all, especially, I think it's Kieran Culkin is great at what he does. However, what he does is making you fucking hate him. There is not one redeeming thing about this character right now. Nothing he has said or done has made me be like, all right, I can sympathize with this guy. You, I, I only want bad things to happen to him. So I feel bad like saying these things about the show right now because I am barely into this. Uh, there's four seasons, I believe. I'm halfway through season one. So I have a long way to go, but I'm just giving you my thoughts right now. There's no one in the family that I particularly like, uh, except actually Tom. I think that's his name. Yeah, Tom, who is Shiv's fiance. This guy's kind of like, comic relief him and cousin greg who i'll get to in a second but tom is like he works for the company but he kind of has like a like they almost gave him this job just to shut him up like here you're in charge of this and it's like he probably has a boss that actually takes care of everything but they want him to feel important because he is the brother-in-law so i like him he's, he's okay he, he's not like great but i mean like right now he's just kind of the He's a supportive husband, which is good, but he, he's always getting fucked over because actually because his wife sucks because Shiv sucks because she's one of the, the kids uh, from the, the Roy family. So she, yeah, she's a spoiled. Ugh. And uh, so, yeah, cousin Greg, this kid's like kind of pathetic. And I guess he's another like their their relationship. Tom and Greg is fun because Tom is trying to take this kid under his wing, but he wants cousin Greg to think that he's like hot shit. I think he's, this is the one kid that he can actually get under his wing and be like, yeah, like this dude knows who I am, even though Tom's a nobody, but 
They have like a fun relationship so far, but it is all really one note right now. And with cousin Greg, I'm already kind of tired of his bumbling. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you think like, uh, my, like, um, yeah, th- th- I like know the family, but like, uh, and I know he's supposed to be like an idiot again, idiot, like an Andy Dwyer type idiot. Like, you know, good things are going to come from this kid. And I just, I don't know if he's going to like somehow stumble his way into becoming like a powerful person in the show, which I would assume he has to, unless he's just going to be the comic relief of the show, because there have been some good like zingers and one-liners. And I think that's one of the things that I do like about this show, but yeah. So Succession on HBO, um, I definitely uh, recommend it at this point. I'm just going to say, yeah, if you're like me, you're going to hate every character on the show and you're going to want really bad things to happen to them. And that's another thing about the show that's really obnoxious. It's just like this whole family. It's basically, hey, how you doing today? I'm good, man. Hey, did, oh, oh, yeah, well, fuck you. Hey, yeah, fuck you too, man. And it's like walking out of the room. It's like, hey, buddy, hey, fuck you. You think of like Terrence and Philip on uh, uh you know, uh, South Park, like, hey, fuck you, buddy. Hey, yeah, fuck you too. So uh, uh, I, uh, it's it's kind of obnoxious and uh, excuse my language there. But um, all right, so let's just hear a quick promo and then we will get on with our featured episode. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Here, Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same Connor as, Je- as Ter- Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. Swear. I had boobies. And ask you for money. Just give us the money. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Uh, Jock and Nerd. All right, so we have reached the season finale of season two, which is episode 24, Freddy Spaghetti, directed by Jason Walliner, written by Dan Gore. All right, here's your cold open. It is mighty quiet at City Hall as the government has shut down. For some reason, though, Andy is still there. Uh, This is, I just love, among many, I don't even know if you would say like Parks and Rec, like mysteries, (laughs) because a lot of them are things that you're just like, hmm, I wonder about that. Other things are just like, oh, maybe the writers just didn't feel like doing it anymore. That's why it's not around. But we have no idea who Andy's boss is. We never, I I would say the closest thing to Andy's boss would be Leslie, obviously because he, and I don't mean like in the Parks and Rec sense, I mean, even at the shoeshine stand, because I believe when Andy gets the job from old Gus, I think Leslie was the one who facilitated that, or at least she's the one that was like telling us the, um, you know, the audience member, I guess, about that happening. So I don't know. I just think it's absolutely hysterical that uh, also Andy has no idea that the government shut down. So he comes cruising in. He's on his rollerblades again. Uh, (laughs) I love that he just wears those around uh, City Hall. But anyway, he comes in and Ron is just like on cloud nine cloud nine superstore but he's just so happy that the government is shut down so when andy comes over and asks him where everyone is ron's just like oh you didn't know so yeah that the fact that no one told him this because clearly no boss ever you know like checks in with andy but he somehow gets a paycheck so i just love that whole thing but he cuts away and he does a talking head because when ron tells him about the shutdown he's like "Ooh, that's bad timing and then it's just he's like i bought this super sweet ass motorcycle he bought a crotch rocket and he's got this like sweet leather jacket too you know for like controlled like 
crashes, I guess. I don't know. But, he, you know, he bought the thing to impress April. They're still kind of like she's pissed at him from last episode, too, for like getting, getting chummy with Anne, which is stupid. But anyway, uh, it's just hilarious because he's bragging about this motorcycle he bought. And then he tells us that he got a sweet deal on it, almost 12 percent, which is just insane. Like if you're if you're a young listener and you don't own a car, you want to get around like three <laughs> percent for like your interest rate if you can get like lower than five that's great so that's hilarious that andy thinks the higher the interest rate the better so yeah again if you don't know that means they're just taking more every payment you make they take 12 percent of that that's a huge chunk so that's yeah, pretty hilarious but anyway um he tells ron that he can't get a hold of april so like I said, they're still uh, or she still pissed at him from last episode. And then we get some great physical comedy as Andy tries to jump over the park's front counter and completely bails. So I talked about this before. He is on rollerblades three or four times throughout the series. This is one of them. And yeah, I'm 99 percent sure this is Chris Pratt because this guy just like he loves his physical comedy. But he actually took this fall and it was a good one. All right, so into the episode, we start off at a public forum run by Leslie and Ron. She informs everyone that all government-owned property is temporarily shut down, including playgrounds. Naturally, though, the citizens of Pawnee are pissed off. How long will they be closed? Could be forever. With the government shut down, who's going to stop Al-Qaeda? One thing at a time. School is out in two weeks. What am I going to do with my kids all day? Keep them in my house? Where I live? I don't know what to tell you. What about the kids' concert tomorrow at Ramset Park? The Freddy Spaghetti concert? Freddy Spaghetti has been canceled. That's one of my favorite uh, uh, clips, the the guy who talks about uh, (laughs) Al-Qaeda. We never see that dude again. He's just in this one episode, at least that I know of. He might be an extra, but I don't think he has any more speaking roles. But I just love that this this guy thinks that the Pawnee government is what's going to be responsible for stopping (laughs) Al-Qaeda. So now there's just like a dreary feeling around Pawnee, except, of course, Ron, who couldn't be happier that all these jobs are going to be cut and... Um, yeah. So we're in Chris Traeger's office where Leslie, who at this point is more of a civilian, uh, considering she's, again, the government is shut down, but she, she's here for like these government meetings, but I believe is kind of like, okay, come in and do that and then get out. So she is in Chris's office because she wants to give him, uh, this impassioned speech about the shutdown that she had written out. And it's just, it's more about Chris's character, how nice he is. She keeps trying to like get into it. And he keeps like, she's like, all right, well, I have something I want to talk to you about. Oh, oh, by all means, go ahead. And, and she's like, oh, like she's caught off guard, like she was expecting to fight. So it is really funny when after all this, she's like, you know what, though? I did make like a really long speech about this. Is it OK if I and she's like, he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So Ben comes walking in and he tells us that during the government's two day old shutdown, two days, Leslie has already tried to schedule 14 meetings with him. So. His tone, though, when he says this makes us think that, like, he's already maybe kind of warming up to Leslie because he's like, yeah, you know, since the government's been shut down two days, I've already gotten 14 calls from one person about a meeting. Can you guess who that is? And he kind of smiles about it. So I think that's, you know, I I think that's him like, okay, I kind of like this woman. I like her tenacity, but at the same time smiling because it's like, oh, this chick is going to be a handful. So obviously the Freddy Spaghetti concert has been canceled. Chris asks Ben if there's anything that they can do. And Ben kind of just dismissively answers, no, there isn't. (laughs) 
So what better to do at this time? Chris decides that it is time to go jogging. And uh, this is where, since we are still relatively new to this character, this is only his second episode, so we get some facts about him here. He tells us that for the last 18 years, he has run 10 miles every day. That's a, approximately 65,000 miles, and that is a third of the way to the moon, and that his goal in life is to run to the moon. So by my math, he's only got about 36 more years to go. Ben tells Leslie that there's just no more money for the Freddy Spaghetti concert. He also says that she's not even supposed to be in the building. And uh, I love this line here because she's just like, you know, that's not your call. And he's like, I know it's on your badge. And it just says non-essential. It zoomed in. And it's like in bright red lettering to non-essential. So now we are over at St. John's Hospital with Ann Perkins. I don't know if I ever, is it St. I think it's, it's either St. John's or St. Joseph's. I think it's St. John's. Uh, so, yeah, we're over there with Anne. She's doing her rounds when Chris uh, shows up. He comes running in and he asks her out on a date. And uh, she declines, though, for now, tells us that she wants to be careful instead of just jumping into another relationship, which I like I feel kind of there are times in this show and I love Ann Perkins, but I feel like there are times when she has nothing to do like Right now, like she hasn't even been broken up with Mark for one full episode, but it's like she's already getting hot. And like, she's a wonderful character. She's a beautiful woman. Men are attracted to her. But it's like, and I feel so much of her is, so much of her character is defined by who she's dating. And they even talk about this in the show when they're having like the, uh, the kind of uh, flea market type thing to try, try to raise money for Jerry's uh, after he has the heart attack. And she's got bins of like, this one's marked Andy. This was her grunge phase. This one's marked Chris. This was when she was all into fitness and stuff. This is for some other guy. This is when she was into sports. I don't know. But yeah, so I just, it just seems like let's give her a little time to be on her own. And I, I love it when they do that in season five, ultimately she ends up asking Chris to uh, donate sperm so she can have a baby. But it's kind of fun when she, the episode, she sits down and she orders two different meals and they're just like, what are you doing? She's like, well, I'm trying to date myself now. And like, she's just kind of staying with herself. So, but yeah, just cause so much of this show is her in a relationship, usually in a bad relationship. So I don't know. All right. So uh, speaking of Anne's relationships though, we are now over to Mark's office where he's packing up. What the hell's going on? He's packing up his office. So Mark was apparently offered a buyout and he took it. He also took the job over at Norton Construction. So this is a callback. Uh, Norton Construction gave them the gift basket in the season one episode, Boys Club. If you'll recall, that's the one where Leslie and Anne wanted to infiltrate this uh, notorious boys club that Leslie thought uh, was going on every night out in the, in the kind of open common area in the middle of the building. However, you found out that it was just literally dudes talking about like shirts and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I remember when I watched that one for this podcast and I saw Norton construction, it was like, wait a minute. Like, I think that's where Mark says he went to leave. So, so we're like, right when he says this, Leslie immediately, she's just like, wait, she's trying to like process what he just says and like on top of the government shutdown. So she even calls him Mark Brendana quits, which is kind of like an iconic line, at least I've seen on uh, Instagram and stuff, you know, pretty much anytime I post a meme with Mark Brendana, someone will put in their Brendana quits. And he gives us a hilarious, hilarious little story. Not even a story, just a little uh, reason as to why he's leaving. Recently, I had been thinking about maybe uh, leaving this job, but I felt like I needed a sign. And then Anne broke up with me the week that I was going to propose. 
the government got shut down, and yesterday, one of those pigeons took a on me, and I was indoors, so... Yep, and I got to keep saying it. Another one of my favorite all-time Parks lines. I just love that. It's so funny because, like, in the clip, Mark is inside. So when he points and says one of those pigeons took a shit on me, he's pointing outside at one of them in, like, the little commons area. And that's why it's just so much funnier that one of them shit on him indoors. That was also one of the first uh, memes I actually made for the Parks Rec memes page on Instagram. That was about <laughs> almost six years ago. Well. Wow. So we cut over to Tom's apartment where Leslie needs some help on what to do. So Leslie's like bouncing around a lot in this episode. Like you'll see her later at the hospital and whatnot. So she doesn't have work. She doesn't have anything to do. So I guess it's fine. But it's just kind of like, why do we have to keep like putting let, like this whole scene is actually completely pointless. All it is is just to give, you know, just to basically, I don't know, I guess there's kind of a funny laugh, but it's nothing really hilarious. So when uh, Leslie knocks on the door, Tom opens it. Uh, you can hear boys to men playing in the background and he's got like a leather, like kind of pajama on. So it's like, okay. So he's telling Leslie that he's like about to have sex with Lucy. And so she's like, of course, Leslie's just like really awkward about it. She first, she's like, Tom, don't take, don't like take too long. Women don't like that. And then she's like, wait, one more thing. Do you have protection? And he just slams the door on her face. It's hilarious. So she just like leaves. Like there's nothing there's no point in this scene being in this episode. I don't know, but whatever. So this is also an extended episode, at least, or at least the cut I watched was 25 minutes long. So if there are things in here I'm talking about that you don't know, I don't know if this was an extended cut or not, but I mean, obviously it was, it was 25 minutes. So now we're back over to the hospital. Leslie is uh, here again. Like I said, she's just pop popping up in random places. So she's talking to Anne about relationships and like, they're, so they're talking about the Freddy Sp uh, Spaghetti concert getting canceled. And Anne's just like, well, you know what? Like if if the big problem is that none of the parks are open, why don't you just have it at Lot 48? Lot 48. Remember that one? That's the pit. We haven't heard about Lot 48. And I don't know. Well, in the possum or the yeah, the possum episode, we uh, Shauna kind of uh, brought it up to Andy. But yeah, we haven't really heard much about that in a while. So uh, Leslie loves this idea. It's funny, but it's also like kind of shitty though. Like Ron's attitude in this episode, he does have these, we've already gotten two or three of them uh, while I've been covering these episodes where Ron just kind of turns into, he doesn't really change who he is, but he just kind of becomes more of an asshole. Like his beliefs and everything are still the same. That's why it's believable, but he just gets really shitty, like just throwing things in people's faces. And especially with this one, like lots and lots of jobs are going to be lost. He doesn't care to him. It's just like, yeah, whatever, go find a different job or do something else, you know? So yeah, it's kind of shitty. Uh, so then we, uh, we hear a shotgun blast out of nowhere, which startles everyone. Everyone jumps in their seats. However, it's just Ron's new ringtone. So Leslie's on the other end and she tells Ron that they're putting on the concert at 5 PM at lot 48, whether or not he's on board, he strongly urges her not to do that. And then in like kind of a, a really funny part, it sucks for Anne though. Leslie tells everyone that they forgot to order porta potties so that the estimated uh, 300 plus people will have to go over to Anne's house and just use the bathroom there. It's great. Uh, over to Andy, who is showing off his new motorcycle. He tries to show it to April, but she doesn't care. And this is like still, he's been looking for her for a while. Like they haven't probably talked in a few weeks because of the government shutdown and whatnot. But uh, she, he's trying to like tell, you know, talk to her and everything. She's not having it. She's still pissed about him talking to Anne last episode. Um, also this is pouty April. This is bratty April. I just, I hate it so much when she acts like this, just like, mm, 
I'm just like, like acting like a seventh grader, you know? So um, we cut over to Tom and Anne, and this is like a weird scene, and I don't really like it. Like, I think Tom is supposed to look like the good guy here, but he, they're having like a little heart to heart, and he's just like awkwardly complimenting her. And it's like he has a girlfriend now. So you're kind of thinking it's like, all right, you know, Tom's just like legitimately being a friend, talking to Anne, telling her, oh, you know, like you don't worry about Mark. You could have any guy you wanted. Da, da, da. And then it ends. It eventually, whether it's a joke or not, it ends with him like propositioning or proposing. I'm sorry, a three way with like with him and Lucy. So it's just it's more of the same with Tom. And it's like once he gets there, you're like. I still didn't get because there's there's episodes throughout the series where Tom does really good things, like when he fucks Ben over uh, when he's supposed to make the speech for him. But then it's like at the end of the episode, he shows Ben the speech and Ben's like, oh, my God, it's like the greatest thing. I don't care about any of that. Tom is a selfish prick and he like he puts himself first no matter what. Back to the budget meeting. Ben brings up which personnel will need to be fired, starting with Leslie Nope. So this kind of brings all of a sudden everything Ron was doing for the first half of the episode, all the gloating, all the getting excited about slashing and everything that completely changes. Now his tone just completely shifts. Also, actually, before I go on with that, I have to mention the hilarious thing that is going on. Chris Traeger is giving Ron a massage because he just out of nowhere, there's probably like 10 or 15 people in this budget meeting. And he's just like, I think it's time for massages. And then he goes, oh, I know what you're all thinking. I just want a massage. But no, that's not the case. I'll even be the caboose. And he goes over and, and he just like, Ron, Ron's like trying to defend Leslie here. But it's so funny, the acting, how he also like, as he's doing this, he's like, oh, well, all right. So Ron kind of moves forward so Chris can get in behind him and just starts massaging his shoulders as Ron's trying to defend uh, this move not to terminate Leslie. So he actually laughs about it and he's like, well, if you fire her, you might as well kiss the whole parks department. Goodbye. And goodbye. So he tries to explain that she is essential. like she is the parks department, but Ben has a job to do. Like, and he knows how much money Leslie makes. And it's like, in Ben's mind, it's like, oh, anyone can do her job. But yeah, you actually see Ron getting very, very fired up about this. We'll come back in a second. Uh, we're with April and Andy now as she tries some, well, actually, he tries some what he calls reverse psychiatry on her because he's like following around. He's like, fine, I don't want to talk to you anyway. And I think she's just like, obviously, she's she likes him. So she's like playing hard to get or she's just not hard to get. She's legitimately, she's got a reason for not wanting to get like pulled into this relationship because of all the and stuff even though we know as the viewer that it's over and andy has told her it's over she's like i still can't deal with this so they yeah i mean like they do kiss which is nice and they finally admit to each other that it's like hey i like you do you like me she says yeah and he's like all right that's awesome do you want to go out on a date and then she's like no so we know she's still pissed about Anne, but it's like, wow, she's like really having a hard time dealing with this. She tells, you know, she's like, I get upset every time you talk to Anne, anytime you do anything with her. And he tells her, he's like, I don't, th that's, I I'm sorry. He's like, I, I, I have no interest in Anne. That's completely over. She just says, oh, I'm really sorry. I can't deal with that. And until that changes, we can't be together. So still a stalemate here. We know we're going to get, they're going to get together, but it's also like, kind of childishly annoying on April's part. Like I said, I mean, come on, he's going to talk to other people back to that budget meeting. Ron is now arguing with Ben about Leslie. Like, like I said before, he was getting like fired up. And now, I mean, he's like starting to raise his voice. Every time Ben tries to move on, Ron just gets louder and more aggressive. 
It's awesome. He then slips and accidentally tells Ben and Chris about the concert at late lot 48. So um, I put slips in parentheses here, um, which is going to allude to another slip that's coming up. We're back to lot 48. Ann and Leslie are chatting when all of a sudden, Ron, you see Ron's car pull up in the background and he comes running. They're coming. They're coming. And you get an awesome, a lot of good physical comedy in this episode. He slips on the grass and just completely his legs shoot out to the side and he lands on his side. It's so funny. And I love, if you watch it, if you pay attention, you can tell that Nick Offerman purposely ran a specific route so that he would slip because instead of coming straight to Ann and Leslie, he actually shoots out a little bit to the side so that he has more momentum to like, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain, but like, if you see it, you'll know exactly what I mean. But he gets up and it's so funny because he's like, they're coming, they're coming. And Andy runs, like the whole crew runs over and Andy's like, who, the Russians? Which is what it does sound like, you know, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. So he tries to warn Leslie. Uh, just then though, Ben and Chris show up. So they must have left like right after Ron did. I mean, like there's no time in between him showing up and then them showing up. So Chris is like, of course, he's so happy-go-lucky like always. He runs up onto the, the middle of the stage and he just starts addressing the Parks crew. He's like, you guys are great. This is great. Everyone's amazing. Okay, uh, Ben, do you have something to say? And Ben's like, yeah, we're shutting this down. So he explains in a talking head like how their meetings always went, like why him and Chris were such a good team. And it was basically like Chris comes in. He's the positive one. He, he talks like, all right, well, this is what we're going to have to try to do, guys, and we're going to do this. And you know what? I, I think there's a good chance that we might be able to make this work. And then Ben comes in. He just does the exact opposite, and he's just like, nope. He's like, that's not happening. We got to fucking cut this. We got to cut this. We got to cut this, which I – and they, they do talk about it a little bit in the show, or at least you kind of figure that out. But I want to just kind of talk about this a little bit why Ben is like at first he's a very misunderstood character because even at first – when I was watching this, I wasn't sure if I was going to like Adam Scott because really the biggest thing I had seen him in at that point was Step Brothers, where he played Will Ferrell's like, or maybe it was John C. Riley, I don't remember. But he's like one of their younger brothers and Catherine Hahn is his wife. She's great. They're great in the movie, but he is such a prick. He's like such an asshole. So it's like my first impression of Adam Scott was like, okay, this guy's funny. He's in this movie I really like, but man, I don't know if I like this actor. He's a prick because he just, just did a really good job. So I think it was my, my first impression was that it's like, wow, his acting is really good into convincing me that he's an asshole. So I wasn't sure where this was going to go with Ben and Leslie. Uh, I don't know if the, the creators had this in mind. It's like these two are going to get together if they knew that right off the bat, but I like that this, this kind of shows you a little bit as to why people don't like Ben at first, because he has to come in and he has to be the hard ass. Chris is the one that everyone loves because, well, Chris is just such a positive person anyway. Like there, there's even like a later episode where Chris says, if, if I, if I had to be told by anyone that I was dying, I would want it to be me. <laughs> like, because yeah, he's so, he's so soothing and comforting that he could probably make a dying person be like, okay, I am ready. So yeah, I just I thought this was really interesting when you find out about Ben and then you you just kind of moving forward. Ben, obviously, for these first actually, maybe just the first episode, the last episode, the first episode, the last episode, the first episode, the last the last episode I covered, which was the master plan. Ben was kind of a dick in that one. Now, you'll see it throughout the series. He will be a dick here and there. But in um, I think moving forward, this is when you really start liking Ben Wyatt.
However, back to uh, Ben shutting the concert down, Leslie cuts him off and says that the show will happen. She's basically like, I don't care what you guys, like, there's nothing you can do right now. Everything is set up. All the workers are volunteers. We're not really spending any money on this. So basically bleep off. However, there's just one problem. Freddy Spaghetti took another gig in an Eagleton library. Ugh, double whammy, uh, after Pawnee initially canceled the show. So they suggest that Andy play, uh, which is some great foreshadowing to his future job of uh, Johnny Karate. So they're uh, tell- saying right now, they're like, why don't you play in front of these kids? You know, da-da-da, so that will happen uh, down the line. However... Andy crashes on his motorcycle because he hops on it excitedly and he's like, I'm going to go grab my uh, guitar, drives out, and he completely, this is totally Andy's fault, 100% Andy's fault. A car is driving out and Andy just shoots right into the intersection and crashes into this thing, flips over the car, and you hear him yell, my arm! Oh, I forgot to mention too, actually, we get another mention of the song Sex Hair which is, I love that they keep bringing this back up. And uh, Leslie's like, well, why don't you just take out the song Sex and put in Pickle? Which again is another joke because later on, April will tell him, take out the song Sex. And he, uh, and she's like, put, you know, whatever. And Andy takes out the word hair and puts bear. So it's still sex bear. But anyway, here he's like, Leslie's like, I don't know. Why don't you put the word pickle in instead? He's like, you got pickle here. Yeah, you got it from me. And it still sounds sexual, which is so funny. Andy, of course, is now back in the hospital. This is the third time we have seen him with like a major injury since the show started. Uh, The first one being we didn't see him fall into the pit like that broke both of his legs. But we just we saw him in the hospital uh, a a couple of times. So that's obviously one. Uh, The second one when he was in the pit, when he was living in the pit and then they filled it in and he was inside it getting uh, crushed by tons of dirt. (laughs) Uh, And then the third one was this one, the motorcycle crash. However, there is some positive here because we get to see our favorite Pawnee medical practitioner. You guessed it, Dr. Harris. We'll set the fractures. I'd like to keep them overnight for observation. Uh, is there any chance you can fix me in the next 10 minutes? Sure. I'll just advance medical science 30 years. Great. Can mouse rat play without you? They tried once. They're called rat and mouse and they're awful. All right, so this is another, I love that you get, or I want to break down this conversation right here. Not even this conversation, just what Andy just said. So first off, he says that Rat Mouse is awful. I love that because it shows Anne nodding her head in agreement because Andy's just like, oh no, they've performed without me before. They're, you know, they, they suck. And Anne is shaking her head very defiantly, I would say, telling us, the viewer, that he's right. They suck when he's not part of the band. I just love that she always, like, supported him and the band. And it also, the way she, like, gets excited almost, it makes you think it's like, okay. And then there's something, actually, that will happen later on in this episode, obviously, where you're just like, maybe Anne is not over Andy. The second thing I like about this is the foreshadowing. So, season five, episode 21, Swing Vote is the name of the episode. In this episode, the group goes to hang out at a bar. That's the one where Tom is trying to break up with Mona Lisa and she's like fighting people and like Anne, uh, Anne's put in danger too. But 
Andy and the gang are out at a bar when all of a sudden they hear a band playing and, and they're like, hey, these guys aren't too bad. Or, or April mentions it. And then they look over and it is Mouse Rat. However, they are performing as Rat Mouse because Andy's not in the band. We find out that they didn't kick him out of the band. They just couldn't get a hold of him because his phone was broke because he dropped it in cereal. But anyway... I love that in that point, too, he starts yelling at them and telling them how much they suck. Or actually, someone mentions how they're good, and I think it's April or Andy. One of them points out that it's like, oh, they're not bad, but they're not great. So I just love there that, yeah, he tells in that episode they are rat mouse and they suck. So, so of course, Andy has a broken arm now, so he's not going to be able to uh, perform. Uh, however, he tries giving Leslie some great, uh, some some advice, and he's like, Leslie, it's like the old saying, the show must go wrong. Obviously, <laughs> the show must go on. Uh, Leslie knows he's uh, speaking in the wrong context, but she uh, gets the gist. Yeah, the show must go on. So she decides that she is just going to go up there and perform herself. So now we are back at uh, the Freddy Spaghetti would-be concert. Uh, Leslie comes on stage. There's probably about like, I don't know, there's like 50 to 100 like parents and kids just standing around. So she just comes up and she starts like, she's like, hi, everyone. I'm Renata Ricotta. And she just starts like talking about how Freddy Spaghetti couldn't get here. And, you know, the best way to win kids over is to just start talking about kind of like gross things. So she's like, he slipped and he broke his noodle and all these, this sauce came coming out of his head. And the kids are all like, Ew, but they're like laughing and everything. So she's, she starts singing like, there was an itsy bitsy teeny. And then all of a sudden, Freddy Spaghetti himself actually comes running out on stage. Leslie's surprised. We're surprised. The kids are like going nuts. We had no idea this was actually going to happen. And then she kind of looks over and she's like, I thought you were booked. And he just goes, that dude over there. He kind of says it like, you know, he's blocking the kids so they can't see him talking. And he's like, that dude over there just came in and offered me a buttload of money. And I'm all about the cash, baby. So Freddy Spaghetti is a money hungry uh, children's performer, but the kids love him. So good for you, man. So uh, we get a great scene, though, where uh, Tom introduces Lucy to Ron. They hit it off immediately. This is just a good scene because Ron's really impressed with Lucy. He shakes her hand and he's like, wow, that's a nice firm handshake you got there. And she's like, my dad always told me that only commies and limp wristed men like, or it's like bad handshakes are for commies and limp wristed men. And he's like, wow, you know, he's like really impressed. So then he was coming away from like a food stand and he's got this giant turkey leg wrapped in bacon. Like this thing probably weighs like a pound and a half, two pounds. And he's just like, like takes this huge bite out of it it's so funny lucy is just like enthralled she like she just goes wow after he takes a bite out of it it's so funny and then he's just like freddy spaghetti and he's got like food like on his face and shit like from the huge uh bite he just took it's awesome though so uh, back to the hospital where Andy's a patient and Anne is his nurse. This is not the first time this has happened they start talking about old times and they're laughing a little bit but then and leans in for a kiss. She kisses him on the cheek and then on the lips. So they kiss for, I don't know, maybe a second or two. And then Andy pulls back, which you're just like, oh, man. OK, so this is the true sign that Andy is over Anne, if you ask me. And he just kind of like 
Ooh, like starts doing that. She, Anne, and I really uh, like believe it that Anne, this was just like a, a moment of vulnerability because I truly do think that Anne is over Andy also, but this was just like a, he's hurt. We're, we're laughing. We're just kind of in the moment. It just got caught up because she's immediately like, I can't believe I did that. I can't. And, and I, I genuinely believe that it's not her just like embarrassed. I mean, she is embarrassed, but I think she's also just like, I can't fucking believe I just did that. Like, I did not want to do that. That wasn't something that it's like, well, I'm glad I finally got to do it. So, uh, yeah, it's almost like she came out of her trance and then she was just like, oh, fuck, what just happened? What just happened? So uh, we're back at the concert. Leslie and Ben are talking. He tells her he's not a monster. Obviously, he's like, it wasn't my plan to have these, you know, this concert canceled. But then he just kind of jumps into Leslie. I'm really sorry. This isn't going to be easy, but we're going to have to cut. And she's just like, dude. I, I got you. Thank you so much for paying for this guy to come to our, our meeting or, our, or to come perform for the kids. But can we not talk about the other stuff now? Let's just enjoy this and then we'll get right back to it. So he's like, all right, sounds good. So we cut back over to Lucy. She uh, she kind of nudges Tom a little bit and she's just like, hey, you uh, you want to head over to Ann's house? And like he's like right now. And she's like, yeah, she like smiles and he just books. So th this is another one of the running in quotes, jokes with Tom Haverford is the amount of times in this show that he is shown running. So he just books it over to Ann's house and uh, Lucy comes like kind of running behind him. So we're back at the hospital. April has shown up to see Andy. Uh, she just found out about his accident. So she's like, now she's just like, she's in. She uh, she's realizing how childish she has been about all this stuff. Andy just got in this accident where he could have like, granted, it was just his arm could have been a lot worse, though. So she now knows I can't take this for granted. She comes in, she gives Andy like now they kiss, they have a nice makeout session and they're, and, and you're like, hell yeah. Because like 10 minutes ago in the show, it was like April telling him, I'm sorry, but we can't be together. And then now you're just like, Oh my God. Okay. So they are going to get together. They're going to get together. They stop. They're both happy about that. It's like, wow, that was nice. But then Andy actually does the mature thing, maybe not the right thing, but the mature thing. And he says, full disclosure, I have to tell you, though, uh, Anne was just in here and we did make out. The way he describes it is so funny because it's just like so matter of fact, like, OK, now, like he could have told her probably in a better way. But knowing April, uh, she was going to storm off anyway, which is what she does. And she just can't believe it. She's like. After after that talk we just had and after all this and after we just made out, you tell me you're you just fucking made out with your ex-girlfriend. So she is pissed off and she just storms off. And I love it. And he's like, April, April, like trying to call her back. And then another nurse comes walking in. It's like an older woman. But Andy's like, dude, don't. Or Andy, he's just like, dude, don't even dare to try to kiss me. And it just shows her and she's like offended. So. All right, we get a great laugh as we see Chris heading over to Ann's house to use the bathroom, not knowing that Tom and Lucy are in there. Apparently, they're like fucking on the couch because it just shows the front of Ann's house. Chris comes walking up with his hands in his pockets. He's got sunglasses on and he's whistling. It's like, doo -doo 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 -doo. walks in the front door and then he's just like, hey, Tom, how are you? Who's your friend? And then you just hear like, dude, what the hell? Get out. He's like, oh, sorry. And then the door opens back up and he just comes walking back up. Still whistling. <laughs> it's so good. So uh, now the concert has ended. Everyone says bye, knowing that they're not going to see each other for a while because of the shutdown. And I just thought this was kind of weird because we saw the scene when the parks crew was here helping set everything up. And you could see in the background, like the bouncy house is still up. The stage is still set up. There's garbage everywhere. And the parks crew is all just like, all right, peace. We're fucking done. And they all just leave. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny.
All right, so we see that it's like hours later now. Leslie is still at lot 48, and she's just kind of trying to take it in. I think like, you know, that she was able to throw a concert on this lot. And she's sitting in, the I believe it's the same bench that her and Mark sat in at the end of season one when they kissed and then he fell into the pit. So she comes over and she apologizes for calling him Mark Brandana quits. And he's like, listen, I don't want you to ever apologize for anything ever again. I would... I would have stuck with the government if everyone here had the same passion that you had. He's telling Leslie this because, yeah, Leslie wants to make things better. Mark is just tired of all the bullshit that comes with, the, like, all the backstabbing and all the red tape and all that kind of junk. So Leslie's just like, oh, you know, I bought you a, I got you a surprise. So I guess they, they probably called in, or he called her, she called him, whatever, and it was like, hey, meet me here. Or he had something for her, which we will find out. So maybe he called her and she just said, Hey, meet me at the, the park, whatever. But she hands him a roll of red tape, which is funny. Cause you know, he's the city planner and he, he does that a lot. It's like metaphorical, but, and then he gives her, which is so awesome, like some blueprints or like plans that he has made out for a future park that could go on lot 48. And he tells her too, it's like, well, I couldn't afford, I couldn't find room for the shark tank and all that, you know, all that weird, ridiculous shit she would want, but it's just an awesome gesture. So, they give each other a nice big hug, and then he says, I'll see you around. And that is the last we will see or hear of Mark Brandanowitz in the series Parks and Recreation. Kind of a bummer. Like, having watched season two again, obviously for this podcast, I did realize that Mark, you know, like, because I, I like the character of Mark. I always did. But watching it again... I'm not upset. It's like, okay. I mean, like, yeah, like I said, never mentioned, never comes back again. So apparently the reason for him leaving the show was just creative differences. He did not like what they were doing the with the character. And they were like, all right, we'll, we'll just write you off the show. And apparently there were always plans for him to come back and make a cameo. However, he never did, which really makes me think that there was something more beyond this. And there was probably like some animosity afterwards made between he and Michael Schur or he and, you know, whoever, Greg Daniels. I don't know. But it just kind of sucks that they never brought him back. But he is replaced with Chris Traeger and Ben Wyatt so much better. So we'll take it. All right. We get a two-part tag where we see Leslie has been named the Parks and Rec representative for the budget discussions, so she now has an essential badge. Then we cut over to Tom's office as he's packing his things up, you know, because, again, the government is being shut down. <laughs> Lucy's in there with him, and she just hands him. She's like, is this Jamie Foxx? She hands him a framed autograph Jamie Foxx picture. I just love his reaction. He's like, oh, my God, I thought I lost that. But I love the foreshadowing here because uh, later on in the series, I forgot when and I forgot the exact context, but I know Tommy... Uh, Tommy will talk about a TV show that he, a cartoon he wants to make called Tommy and the Fox, where him and Jamie Foxx are like crime fighting partners. I don't know, something stupid like that. Um, but yeah, we see Ron come walking in. He's super excited. He's clabby. He's like snapping his fingers and everything. And he's got his Tiger Woods outfit on. So if you're unfamiliar, that means Ron got laid last night. Anytime Ron comes in with a bright red short sleeve polo, and black like dockers that means he got laid so tom's kind of telling lucy about this they're laughing but then tom is super bummed out when he sees the woman that ron slept with last night lucy asks who it is and tom replies my ex-wife so that is the end of season two parks and rec on imdb this episode is an 8.5 there's a lot I like about this episode, but this is not one of my favorites. This is probably one of the 
lesser finales in the series. Like I think the two episodes leading up to this were so much better. And like, this was good. They gave us a good cliffhanger, which was now obviously Ron with Tom's ex-wife. This is uh, the end of Mark Brandanowitz. Again, we will never see him again. Uh, Andy and April, like we, we got to find out what's going to happen with them. Leslie and Ben actually that definitely more flirty this episode. So uh, you kind of know that uh, well, these two might like each other. So overall, season two was pretty damn good. If you ask me, but that is going to wrap up this episode. If you'd like to contact me or the show, Citizens of Pawnee at gmail.com is how you can do that. You can also like and follow on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast and at Parks Rec Memes. Next week, I'm going to take a break from the episode reviews for uh, just a week. And I uh, instead will be doing a recap of the highlights, lowlights, everything else from season two. Just want to kind of uh, go over all that again before we jump into season three. And then from here on, I will be doing that for like all the seasons at the end as we finish them up. Thank you for listening to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. My name's Brian, and I'll see you next week. Pawnee Shock Jock, the douche's real name, is Howard Tuttleman.